0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be discussing a new way to look at our perception of lack in our life or what we feel are failures and regrets. You know, Denise, one of my friends has this saying I love. She says, it's, not a, bad, it's a bad day, not a bad life.
1: That's a good saying.
0: Yeah, I think so too. You know, I have another friend who always says, This is just a difficult season. I like this way of framing challenges in our life because, as empaths, you know, sometimes we tend to lump everything together, falling into that habit of awfulizing everything. Usually you can tell because you're using words like always and never. We know we're in that state of mind where we can't see our situation realistically anymore. So, we thought today we would talk about. A new way of thinking about your life, especially during this difficult pandemic time we're going through with a lot of anxiety and angst and worry in the world. Just last week I was listening to the comedian Martin Short. He was being interviewed on the Smartless podcast. Now, most people will probably remember him from Saturday Night Live or The Three Amigos. He's best friends with Steve Martin, and today the two of them tour with this fantastic comedy music show. So anyway, he's on SmartList, and he's talking about this really, really difficult time in his life where it felt to him as though his career had just dried up. He'd made a movie with Steven Spielberg called Inner Space. And, you know, I think when you get to that point where you're on Saturday Night Live, you're making a movie with Steven Spielberg, you probably think I've made it. You know, like all the stress and and struggle is in my rear view mirror. But the movie Inner Space completely flopped. So he felt as though everything was gone, that his career had just disappeared. No more offers were coming through. Nothing, nada. So he was walking one day thinking about, you know, what a failure he was and what a failure his career had become. And he was just doing a really good job of beating himself up. And then I can't remember if it was his agent or his accountant Called to tell him how much money he had made that year. And suddenly, Martin Short realized that during this year of failure, as he was calling it, he had somehow made a lot more money than he thought. So this got Martin Short thinking, what if I look at my life like a school with subjects and different teachers? What if instead of painting this broad brush over my life and stamping failure all over it, I instead give myself a report card? okay, so we failed a bit in your career this year, but you've got a B in finances and an A in relationships. You've started working out and eating better, so that's an A too. So even if he failed in his career, with the other grades thrown in, he thought, well, my life is averaging like a B plus and isn't the disaster I thought it was. And I just thought that was a really great way of looking at life. What do you think?
1: I agree, and I think it's, Uh, From my perspective, I think for a lot of us, everything seems so interconnected right now. We make a choice, it ricochets to something else, it bumps into the next thing, and it it all seems so entwined. But when you can break it down a little bit and find those things that are going well, sometimes it can make it easier to deal with the things that might be a little more challenging at the time.
0: Well, you know, I think our life is so often the story we repeatedly tell ourselves. And so if you're constantly telling yourself that your life is this, this, and that, and it's all negative stuff, then I think that's what your life is going to be. But if you, you know, I'm not talking about focus on the positive, ignore the negative. I'm not talking <laughs> about that. But what I am saying is maybe we're going to go through his nine categories of life in a minute. But, you know, he Martin Short is the youngest child And I think he was a later child. He has older siblings. By the time he was in uh, either end of high school or beginning of college, both his parents had died. So he was completely on his own. You know, his siblings obviously chipped in and helped him out, but they were married, they were living their own lives. He lost his brother after 30 years of a wonderful marriage. He lost his wife. So he's had so much loss in his life. And yet, He chooses to be positive. He chooses to look at the good in his life all the time. And I really do believe that we can choose to reframe our life in these ways without, I'm not saying ignore the bad stuff. I'm not saying don't talk about it, don't look at it, don't do anything about it. What I am saying is carry it in a different way so that it's not the only thing your energy is focusing on. And I think if if you look at your life through these nine categories that Martin Short has detailed in his biography and on that podcast, you will start to see that nothing is all good or all bad. That we are this wonderful mosaic, this quilt, if you will, of good, bad, and in between. And, it, and I like his metaphor of averaging it out. You know, he was like, I remember him saying, if you get an A in math, but you get an F in English, it averages out to a C and you're all good. <laughs> you're going to pass this thing called life.
1: And, and I want to add one more little tidbit to that is, if you have had a really rough spell of it or a rough life or one thing right after another or challenges or your family of origin, whatever it might be, Still, if you can find a way to come from a place of gratitude to try to find balance, you don't have to stay stuck in those loop tapes. And the reason I'm saying this is I had a conversation with someone recently and I was saying, you know, sometimes I'll get barraged with memories of negative things that have happened or trauma or grief or, and this person I was speaking with said, I rarely, if ever get that, I have to dig for it. And then she said, but your life has been much different than mine. And I thought that's really, really important to remember for ourselves personally, but also as a community of empaths is some of us have been through some pretty rugged stuff, but that doesn't mean you can't switch it up and start to, um, because like the first thing on his his list is self and your own personal health and safety. And I think your mental health, your self-care, your taking care of you from where you are standing right now can help um, not alleviate, but soften some of that stuff that may have happened to you in the past.
0: Well, and that's a great point too, Denise. We all have come to this point in our life from very different paths, and we have to respect all those different paths without comparing ourselves to those other journeys. hmm so yeah, the first category he has, and he does this every year, which I think is really, really neat. Every year he sits down, usually around the new year, and he grades himself like a report card. And these are the subjects of his life. The first one is self, like you said, and it is, it's it's how safe are you? How are you taking care of yourself? How are you taking care of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs? And so I think that does need to be first on our grading report card of life. We've got to look at ourselves first and ask, okay, you might be doing all these great things for everyone else in your life, but what are you doing to take care of you?
1: And especially during these times with, and I I thought about this a lot as I read the list, as empaths, we tend to be more porous of other people's emotions, their feelings. Some ma- empaths feels things so deeply physically from someone else. So they're, we're tapping into all the energies around us, our own stuff that's going on, the collective energies that are uh, a, a bit intense right now, to say the least. So I think, you know, you really be be gentle with yourself, but also it, it can affect you mentally or spiritually or physically, your own health. And you, Getting to that place where sometimes it helps to take a step back and say, Is this really mine? And I know we've said that in a lot of shows, but it feels incredibly important right now to address that.
0: I agree. That's a really good question. And for me as an empath, what I've had to learn to do to take care of myself is pay attention to my moods and emotions. Just yesterday, You should have seen my to do list, Denise. It was exhausting. (laughs) And it was categorized. You know, it was like work, orders, all this kids. There's so much I have to do for my kids' school stuff, emailing this teacher and calling this tutor and on and on and on the list went. And so I worked until three o'clock, but it was like pushing, you know, a, a, a heavy wheel up a large hill. I just wasn't in it to win it it was raining nonstop. It never rains nonstop in my town. There's a saying where I live that says, wait 10 minutes, the weather will change. But this day it just rained all day. And finally at three o'clock, I went out into the living room and I said, girls, I just don't feel like working anymore. I just need to take the rest of the day off. And they were like, me too. I'm there with you. And so we just spent the rest of the afternoon hanging out. We watched some stupid TV. We read a book. And then we went out and I got takeout for dinner.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah. Did I feel guilty about it? Did I think about that to-do list nagging its finger at me? Yes, I did. But I ignored it and I just tucked in and and was cozy for a little bit. And so I just think it's really important for us to do that in whatever way works for you, whatever self-care looks like to you, but to periodically throughout, whether it's your day or your week tune in and say, what am I doing to take care of me? Now, number two on his category is immediate family. So this includes your spouse or your partner and or your kids. How well are you connecting with your family? Are there, is there any drama? Are there any issues? How, how are you all connecting? How are you fulfilling your responsibilities to them and how are they refil- fulfilling their responsibilities to you?
1: and for people who may be saying well I don't have immediate family if you have pets if you have friends who you consider even though friends is another category if there's anyone in your life that you feel is your family i think that this can apply here as well
0: yes i agree and and really thinking am i doing a good job being an important family member am i am i taking care of everyone and and the reverse of that as well what's the give and take here how how is it averaging out on balance now, the third category is original family, so your parents, your siblings, and to really give yourself a grade on how that's going in your life. Are, is there unsettled drama? Is there something that needs to be communicated? Am I checking in with my parents? Are, are my siblings and I doing okay? Are we talking and sharing?
1: Okay, and this category, I think we should all give kind of a big star too, because for a lot of us. This may be why we're as empathic as we are, is because of our family of origin and things we may or may not have experienced, or a genetic connection, or quality of life, whatever it might be. But I think right now in this transition that we're all in globally, it's a good time to really look at some of those things. But with kindness and forgiveness to yourself that you may need to re-navigate some of those well-worn paths with your original family that just don't lead to a good place anymore.
0: Yeah, we need to give ourselves grace. We really do. Because I think even if you have this beautiful, healthy, original family, during this time, issues are coming up. I have a friend, and she has a dreamy family. You know, they all actually get along. And it's not fake or phony, which is always my first suspicion, given my background. (laughs) It's genuine. They all love each other. But she couldn't go home for the holidays because of, you know, the pandemic. And she felt as though it wasn't safe for her elderly parents. So she had to call them and say, I will not be flying home and going through the airports and all of that during this time to keep all of us safe. And her parents really didn't understand and got very, very upset. And And I get it. I get it on both sides. You know, I understand why she stayed home and I understand why they're hurt and upset. And so I think it's important to just really give ourselves grace during this time, don't you?
1: That's a really good point. I had uh, a, another friend of mine, and her son is in med- medical school in the Midwest, and she had to say she's taking care of her elderly father who has some health issues. And she said, "I don't think it's a great idea for you to come home for the holidays this year, because of the travel, because of what he's been exposed to, where he's he's working, you know, he's in his internship." And all of these things, she said, and it broke my heart that I had to tell my son, it's probably best you don't come home. She said, because I haven't seen him and I miss him and I want to spend time with him. So that this original family stuff is deep right now.
0: It is. It's deep and it's heavy and we need to be patient. It
1: can also be a place of joy and, and uh, healing.
0: Yes, Number four on the category is friends. Are you connecting with your friends? Are you deepening those bonds? Are you reaching out to make new connections? How are you doing in the friendship category? And I think, again, especially now more than ever, this one is a really important category to check in with your friends, even if you can't see them in person, if you don't feel comfortable with that. You can text, you can call on the phone, you can FaceTime, you can do Zooms. I mean, I know like my sisters and I, we've done a couple of Zooms with our cousins. Like there's a lot of ways we can still connect now and trying to make that effort is to me more important now than ever.
1: That's a really good point. And it may be that you're redefining some friendships right now. And if this does become something, you're looking at all these categories of your life, some are more intense or some people are more neat. Take the time to look at that. and. My own personal opinion again, is try to do it with an open heart, because, as you said earlier, a lot of folks are struggling right now,
0: yeah, yeah, feeling that that sense of isolation and loneliness. And so reaching out to reinforce those bonds is so crucial, okay.
1: So don't you think sometimes we outgrow friends or friends outgrow us? Sure. And that's a really touchy thing for us because we feel things so deeply and we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I had a, now has become an acquaintance in my life, but what was at one point, a closer friend. And I always feel a little, not sad, but like I should, I, I want to feel more, but it's not there anymore. You ever have that happen?
0: Yeah, I do. I was just telling a friend that she's got this situation in her life, a lot of stress. She's got a new job. It's completely from home. So she's having to learn everything on her own brand new. Her partner's dealing with some health issues. She's just really stressed out and feeling pulled in so many directions. And she had told another friend, yeah, I'll be there. She was having some outdoor thing event. And she said, yeah, I'll be there. And then that morning she texted the friend and said, I am so sorry, but everything is really overwhelmed right now. I'm not gonna have time to go. And her friend called her and blasted her out. Oh. Like basically was like, I'm done. And so my friend called me and was like, I don't know if I'm seeing this clearly because I'm so emotionally upset right now. But it it's not, it wasn't like a birthday party, an anniversary. It was just like you know, I think she was going to have a fire in her backyard and have everyone socially distanced outside to, to say hello. And mm-hmm. my friend just couldn't make it happen. And so she's like, I really think she's ending this friendship over that. And I said to her, well, you know, what is that quote, Denise? Some, of, some friends come into our life for a season and some for a lifetime. You know that quote?
1: Uh, a reason or a season or a... Yes, I do. Yeah. I can't think of the exact... Well, right at this moment.
0: But- and so she said, so do you think she's a seasoned friend? And I said, well, right now she is because she's not giving you any grace. She's not understanding what you need right now. And so don't, don't take this on, you know, don't wear this as, as your problem. She's projecting this. And, and I just think it's so important. For some reason, this issue was a deal breaker for this woman and it really hurt my friend and i and i think we you know we have to be patient with with everyone but i said to to this friend i said look there are friends who haven't i've had to let go of because they don't understand how busy i am and how divided i get when i focus on you i'm 100% focused on you right wouldn't you agree yes but then i get person. busy and sometimes i can go a week without calling you or texting you it doesn't mean i don't love you and care for you and as I've said to you, Denise, you're one of my best friends because you understand that. You Thank will you. always, like, if I say, hey, let's catch up this weekend, and then I can't that weekend, you never, ever say, eating me. <laughs> no, because I know your life, and it's crazy, train. How could yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you'll, I mean, just that other time when we couldn't connect, and you were like, I've been a single mom. I've been where you are. I get it. Please don't yeah. worry. I mean, that's what you want in a friend. But I mean, there's other good things about this woman who just hurt my friend's heart. But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to just say, this is not what I need in my life right now.
1: And, And it is okay to have... I have some very dear people, friends, that I consider family, and they have my heart, truly. You're in the club. And I really... I have a lot of acquaintances I don't I don't use that friend word um, I, I don't say oh I've got 1200 friends on Facebook no <laughs> I <have> agree s- <laughs> so anyway the next category is money everybody's favorite um, and you know what I thought about when this came up is how for so many people the money is just is there enough is there not enough is it security and stability but how it ties in with our self-worth sometimes that can might, because when you start reading these, they all do kind of loop together of a lot of us have uh, money pros and cons based on the way we were raised or the messages we got as children or possibly with a relationship with a spouse or, you know, we've had to work for a long, long time and be independent, whatever that might be. But I do really think Addressing it as just money and not as an indicator of who you are is a really important thing to consider.
0: Yeah, I do too. And not aligning it with your worth or even with success. I think, especially in America, we tend to equate money with success. And some of the most successful people I've known in my personal life don't have a lot of money. But to me, they're huge successes because. They're amazing parents or they're wonderful friends or they just do beautiful things in their life. And yet, don't you feel so often we just think, oh, well, they have money. They must be happy. They must be successful. They've achieved it. They've done it all. Whereas I've known some wealthy people who are absolutely wonderful and generous and amazing and kind, and I've known some wealthy people who aren't. And you know, I think separating out those two, money and success, is really important. I I also think it's crucial with money to face it, to get really honest and real about it. I know a lot of people who have money issues, they don't want to look at it. They don't want to write it down. They don't want to record their expenses. And yet I think when we force ourselves to do that, we can see, oh, so I'm making this much and it's a pretty finite amount. You know, I've always, so many years I worked in a career where there was no bonus, there was no promotion. When you're a teacher, it's not like, wow, you did an amazing job this year, Samantha. All your students loved you and learned from you. You're going to get a Christmas bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, you're kind of, you know, capped. And I think when you can look at, okay, there's no chance of raising this income this year, and here's what's coming in and here's what's going out. When you can write all that down and look at it, honestly, it can take some of the shame and blame out that we put on ourselves with any money issues we're having. And it helps us to be really clear about, you know, what we're spending our money on and where we're spending it, how we're spending it. But if we look at it from just a numbers point of view, it can help us remove, because I, I do, I feel that money gets tied up a lot with shame,
1: well, because if you've ended up with financial difficulties based on necessity, you've been out of work or you're trying to take care of your family and you don't have any support or you have you know, had unexpected expenses come in and you've needed to put money you didn't really have saved towards something else like getting your car so you could get back and forth to work or take your children to appointments or whatever it might be. It does. It escalates so, so quickly. And when you said, you know, be honest with yourself and look at that, that's a really, really, really difficult thing to do because by the time you get to that place where you're, Oh my gosh, I have to look at this. It can be pretty overwhelming and it can be, how am I ever going to get out of this? And right now with the, the, in some respects, the fragility of the economic system globally, that's a very valid thing. But if you, had, and again, this is from my heart to anyone who's in this situation. If you're in a situation where you do have debt, but you've, be, you may want to look at it and say, was this to take care of my children? Was this to make sure we had enough to eat? Was this to make sure? I mean, if you're, there might be a reason for that, that you, you don't have to beat yourself up. You just did what you had to do to get through and you will get on the other side of it. But uh, I think that the money stuff can be so intense and debilitating in other aspects of our lives. If we're not careful.
0: And this is another area where you cannot compare yourself to other people that are your age or on Facebook or that are even working the same job as you because you don't know what kind of help they're getting at home. Right. You know, I mean, how many people you and I were talking about this a couple of months ago, how many people do we know who have parents who do these amazing things like pay their mortgage or, <laughs> <Right>. their <daycare? laughs> you know, or I have a friend whose dad pays for their vacation every year for like 20 years.
1: i, I worked with a man years ago. And he had a an aunt or a great aunt and and she passed away. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And he said, Yeah, me too. That means I'm not going to get my 25 grand this Christmas. And I said, What? And he said, Well, every year she writes me a check for 25 grand. And I thought (laughs) that that didn't happen in my family of origin. (laughs) No, no,
0: it does not happen. But, But again, that's someone else's reality. So Yeah, just, and you just don't know. I had this lovely, lovely client. She was so kind. And her daughter's husband lost his job for like a year. And she just paid their mortgage for a year and thought nothing of it. There were no strings attached. And I thought, gosh, well, I hope I can do that. You I know, would love to do that. Wouldn't that I, be so lovely? When I think about, oh, you know how you, every once
1: in a while you get that, oh, if I, someone will say, what would you do if you won the lottery? What would you do if you and I I think of all the people that I would love, love, love to surprise and just say, boom, now you don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. Wouldn't that I, be incredible? I think it, it would be more of a gift to be able to give that almost than to receive, oh. you know, because it would just feel so nice. Don't worry this year. It's stressful, but I, I've got you. I've got your back. Mm,
1: I would love that.
0: But, you know, I had a friend in a prayer group I was in when my kids were little and in, in my state, I don't know if this is still true, but in my state, we've got this weird law with divorce where you have to be legally separated for a year. And during that year, the husband or whoever makes more money in the marriage does not have to pay anything to the spouse that first year. Now, nobody really knew about this law because most spouses. They still actually do the right thing and and pay what they think the child support will be or what have you, right? But this woman, she worked in real estate part-time and and stayed home with her kids and her husband made all of the money. He had an affair, he left. He gave her nothing that year. And so she had no money and she didn't know what to do. It it must have been around that time when the whole dot-com thing happened because real estate had just tanked. So she had some commission checks coming in from the previous year when with closings and all, but nothing new coming up. So she was freaked out. And so we were praying for her. And someone in the prayer group said, My husband is a financial advisor. You should go see him. And I remember she laughed, the friend, and kind of looked at me, because you know, I was married to a cop at the time. I was a teacher. So we were in the same financial grouping, whereas this woman with the financial advisor husband was in a different grouping. And my friend said to this woman, Thank you so much, but I don't know. There's no money for him to advise me on. <laughs> <laughs> she said, There's no stocks, there's no investments. I what would he say? And she said, just go and talk to him. And so she did. And that was years ago. And my God, that man has helped her so much to grow not only her finances, but also just in confidence and what she can do with money and and how you can just have uh, fifty dollars and and invest it. And so it it was a big lesson to me too, because I always thought you had to have some type of nest egg before you went to see a financial advisor. Didn't you ever have that assumption? Oh, i I can say I still do. Yeah, <laughs> he did not, but he really gave her good advice. Okay, number six on the categories is career. Does your job meet your current needs? Is there satisfaction in your career? Are you doing all you can in your career? Is your career feeding your paycheck, your soul, your creative needs, your desire for connection? So really sitting down and looking at your career and asking, is this just a paycheck or is this giving me something more? Am I giving my all to this job or am I just kind of going through the motions? What grade would you give yourself in your career?
1: And is it a means to an end to get you to something you'd much rather be doing? Because if it's not fulfilling or you're ready to chew your leg off to get out of the trap, is it something that you need to stay with a little bit longer until something else comes up? Or it's a. sometimes it can be an amazing, amazing catalyst to say, I know this isn't working in my life. I need to go and find what is or... Recreate myself or revisit something in the past that I've always wanted to do. Um, But I'm glad that the career is on the list because I think that's a big issue for a lot of folks right now.
0: Me too. You know, Louise Hayes has a wonderful phrase about this. I think it's in You Can Heal Your Life, where she says, Affirm every day. I release this career with grace to someone who needs it more than I do. And I welcome my new more fulfilling, happier career with open arms. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what she says. And I love that idea of instead of praying like, oh, please get me out of this job. I cannot face this cubicle. I cannot face these meetings. I cannot face these customers, whatever it is, one more day. Instead of that, you switch your focus to, I willingly release this job to someone who needs it more as I open my arms you know, to the true career that's waiting for me. That's much nicer
1: than me carrying around a notepad and writing down hateful little things in meetings in the past. (laughs) But then I would get it out of my system and I'd smile, but I would just, because I didn't want it to back up in my system. But when I would feel something hit my moral compass or be frustrated or upset, I would just kind of jot it down. This is just such expletive, expletive. And then I would smile. But- Do what you have to do sometimes to get through situations, I think.
0: Exactly. You know, that's one thing I've read that's, I was reading this article, like the good things that have come out of this pandemic. And one of them was, there's a thought or a theory, a hope maybe, that there won't be as many meetings when life returns, if it ever does to what we call normal. And people are actually back at work because this has taught us that you don't really need all those meetings. You can just hop on a Zoom or send a text. What do you think? Do you think it'll change careers in that, in that way? I hope so, because
1: I'm, I'm not a
0: big fan of useless
1: meetings. I don't, people reiterating the same thing over and over, redundancy, no, no outcome, no goals. And I think sometimes it's a smokescreen to not actually address a problem or an issue. And not in all industries. I can only go with the industry that I worked in. But, uh, or so
0: I had a boss who was so all over the place and overwhelmed all the time. And she would hold these weekly meetings for they felt like hours. And she would have this new idea every week. We're going to do it this way. Everyone, get on board with this idea. And I'm putting this person in charge of a committee to instigate and, and you know this new idea and get going. And and then the next week, nope. That didn't work. We're going to try this thing. And here's a new Oh. Oh, it drove me insane. Okay. The next one on the category is creativity. Do you have a good, healthy outlet for being creative? Are you feeling fulfilled in your creativity? What are you doing to feed your creative side? And keep in mind when we talk about creativity, it doesn't mean picking up a paintbrush necessarily. It's anything for me anyway, Creativity is anytime I feel lost in that zone of just a pure joy with creating something that wasn't there before. So, for me, whether it's drawing or painting or knitting, crocheting, even baking, though, to me, creativity is when you take random objects, you know, like a paintbrush, a canvas, but also like flour or sugar or a hammer and a piece of wood, and you put all those objects together to create something that didn't exist before you put your creative spark to it.
1: And if you're having a hard time, well, I'm not creative. I don't have anything. Do you love to redecorate? but A little clue can be, what did you love to do when you were a little person? Did you love to play with Legos? Did you love to color? Did you love to dance? Did you love to, uh, you know, build things, landscape out in the yard, like play out in the yard and build things and, and grow things? Did you work on little toys? I mean, just sometimes revisiting who we were can help jumpstart that creativity of who we've become. So if you, I mean, I used to do a lot of handcrafts and love to do intricate patterns and all this stuff. And then life got crazy busy and it, I just it all fell to the side. And I started a project this winter. I'm working on this fairly intricate crochet pattern, and I thought, "Wow, it feels so good to do this again, but it's muscle memory, and I instantly relax. So maybe going back to something you used to love will be a little kickstart for your creativity if you're feeling like you're having a hard time accessing it.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's creativity is really a spark of life for so many. And there are, I mean, I'm not, I am not talented in my creative pursuits, but I love it. And so I do it. So it could be singing and and you might be tone deaf, but if you love to sing, sing. One of my daughters loves to play the guitar and she can't really play the guitar. I think she can, but she's very hard on herself. But she didn't care. She still puts on her little YouTube tutorial and just strums away. It brings her joy. Whatever you can do that for you is, is creative. Like you said, it could be feng shuiing your apartment. It could be gardening. It could uh, just planting herbs inside your house during this winter. If, if you're into woodwork or building frames for your pictures, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, this idea we have of an artist. It's about sparking joy inside of your soul through creating something that wouldn't have been there without you. And I I just think that's a beautiful thing to do. And a
1: nice way to look at it. A fairly nice way to look at it.
0: So the next one on our list is discipline. Are you using the appropriate amount of self-control to really apply your health and wellness goals to your life? Are you taking action on your goals? Are you implementing steps to change your career, to improve your finances, to reconnect with your friends, to be creative. What in your life needs more discipline or where in your life are you already being disciplined and how could you grade yourself there?
1: Yes, and we talked about this a lot in a previous show about how to attain your goals, how to go after it, what's holding you stuck. But there's a really nice inner reward to keeping yourself on track and moving forward towards something you really want to bring into your life.
0: And the last one is lifestyle, which basically this is where Martin short asks, am I having fun? You know, what, where is the joy in my life? How much joy am I allowing into my life? And, and where am I allowed and able and taking action in my life to be able to focus on fun? And,
1: if you're not able to go and do what's fun, you may love going to concerts or crowds or travel or whatever. My my way to navigate this right now is I try to find things that I will just crack myself up. I will entertain the hell out of myself and do something so silly and then laugh. And I think that's a, an incredibly important stress reliever right now. So, so important anytime, mm-hmm. but that's been a prevalent theme for folks coming up is I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life again. And I don't even think that's connected with the whole pandemic and the unrest and all that. stuff. I think that's just more, we're ready for this. We're ready to start to enjoy life because we've been in this, this loop tape for so long now that life is short. Let's enjoy it a little bit more.
0: Exactly. And you're right. Wherever you find fun, like, I really enjoy going to conferences and workshops. I love going to concerts. You know, my kids and I had tickets to four concerts in 2020 that were all canceled, but we're still finding ways to, to connect through online stuff. We're watching a lot of comedians online and I'm taking a ton of online classes with amazing, famous spiritual teachers that I wouldn't have been able to fly to and go meet but I'm able to do it online thanks to the gift of zoom and online Mm -hmm. technology and so I'm still able to feed that that joy bug inside of me that's always wanting to learn and research and discover something new and so I really do think the onus is on us to find joy and not to see it as something you know just around the bend but to find it now, I can find joy in just sitting outside under the moon, you know, like just having those moments of stillness and really connecting with nature. That is really joyful to me.
1: Right. And that's exactly right. It, your fun might be someone else would roll their eyes and say, Oh my God, I would rather go watch paint dry. How can you even think that it doesn't matter? This is, this is up to you, whatever you find joy and fun in, but it raises well, your, your energy and your outlook and it makes the rest of it a lot easier to navigate.
0: I agree. And, and I think this, I, I had a little moment uh, last week and I just said to my kids, this sucks. Like, I, I hate this. I hate us all being trapped in the house. I'm running out of things for us to do, you know, because everything's closed. We can't even go to a movie. There's, it's freezing. It's, it's cold. It's been rainy most of the days for this past two weeks like it's what are we supposed to do and so we were really thinking about it like well we could we could walk downtown again we could take the dogs on that hike i'm like yeah we do that every other... so one of my daughters said let's get up early and go watch the sunrise oh and i was like okay so we set our alarm for five thirty, and we all woke up which you know teenagers i thought that was a miracle And we drove down to the beach and we watched the sunrise and there were four surfers. I swear, I wanted to ask one of them if he was a professional. These guys were on it. I mean, it was really, really cold. Like we're in our winter jackets and scarves watching the sunrise and these surfers are in their wetsuits and they are skimming over these waves and doing these flips. It was phenomenal. And I was sitting there thinking, this is here every day. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like there was there was this man and he was just standing by the ocean waves reading a Bible. And I was looking at him thinking, well, that's lovely, but he should like sit down or like I was like, why is he standing there? And then this guy joined him with two teenage sons and he had a little jam box, a little Bluetooth speaker thing. And they started playing Christian music and they started singing to the rising sun. And I wow. thought- no, that's such a lovely way to greet the day. And I I don't know, it was just really interesting as we were driving home, I was thinking, I could have done this every day. You know, this is always there waiting for me. And so I I think that finding joy, it's, we've got to go find it. We can't wait for joyful moments to discover us. It's always there. We just have to go out and seek it. Excellent, excellent point. Of course, you know, the next day we did not wake up at 5.30. <laughs> but we will do it again. Maybe a sunset the next time. Yes. Yes. That one's easy. That one I can do for sure. Okay. So anyway, what do you think, Denise? Do you think you might try implementing this? It does get you
1: thinking about the different aspects of your life. I don't know if I would be regimented enough to do it on, like, to, to keep track of it and say every year I'm going to do this. But I think for right now, it's a great, great thing to look at as we transition through the seasons and we're in this time of if you're in the northern hemisphere, this time of hibernation and reflection, this could be what am I getting ready for next and, and how what are my grades in these aspects of my life?
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm really good at compartmentalizing aspects of my life, and I've always wanted to ask a psychologist, like, is that a good way to go through life or not? but it's always helped me to kind of put things in their proper perspective and say, okay, this stinks right now, but this is going really, really great. So I've always kind of done this in a way, just not in this organized, you know, report card type of system that Martin Short has. But for me, it's always been helpful because you don't want to get to that all or nothing language. You don't want to say everything stinks right now or, um, you know, nothing is going to get better. When you get to that type of verbiage, I I do think compartmentalizing and looking at the different aspects of your life so that you can see you can see and say to yourself, This is this is one area I really do need to work on. I will feel better when I work on this. But these other areas, you know, this one can stay on autopilot. It's doing fine at a B. This one, I'm getting an A in. I'm going to let that soar. But this one where I've got a C or a D, I'm going to focus all my attention on that. And so I think it can help us to prioritize as well. My magic wand,
1: a little elixir that I use whenever one of these areas of my life is not feeling great or is challenging, I always, always, always revert back to gratitude. Find any little tiny thing that you can switch it to be grateful about. And I think that that sends a beacon out to the universe to say, okay, let's help her out. Let's let's shift some of this a little bit.
0: Do you think it's okay to force the gratitude? Or do you think it needs to become a habit? There have been times, you know, remember when the Gratitude Journal was so popular after um, what was this Simple Abundance came out? Right. And I remember I had my gratitude journal and I would write down my three things. And there were some nights where I was like, I'm freaking grateful I only have one more thing to write to come up with, you know, because I was just so angry yes. about my day. And and I've always wondered, like, does that count? Should I even bother writing in my gratitude journal when I'm feeling so frustrated or sad or angry about something? What What do you think?
1: Oh, I think that counts because... I I mean, I shared a situation with you before we got on the air and the, the thing that, and it was, it was really just kind of a pain in the ass, but when I got right down to it, no one was hurt. No one was in the emergency room. We had the resources to be able to take care of the situation. And so that's what I like went from being kind of stirred up about some things to, wow, I'm really grateful. We're all okay. or if it's, I mean, sometimes, and I've shared this before, sometimes it can be, I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I had good food to eat today. I mean, but I really think, and it is reprogramming yourself, but it also is incredibly, incredibly empowering, and it leads to other aspects of your life improving.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And and you're your way of reframing that I think is so important because you can, you know, in the beginning of what the bleep do we know where she stubs her toe and then it spirals into this crappy day mm-hmm. and then they reshow it with her stubbing her toe and she just shrugs it off. And then she has this great day. I, I just right. I always think about that, you know? So if you have something that's annoying and frustrating and stressful that happens Sometimes it's just reframing it so that you can shrug it off will reframe the rest of your day.
1: And I'm not discounting those situations that are so overwhelming and horrific and immobilizing that you just want to sit in a corner and rock back and forth. I'm not, that's, I'm talking about, right. And it's not, it's not being in denial and putting your hands over your ears and saying, la, 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 my life is lovely. But it's it's you you put the, the perfect way to describe it. You're reframing it so that you can find something in that that is a glimmer, a glimmer. And I think we all need hope. And I thought about that this morning when I was writing. Was I think so much of what we're all trying to do right now is find hope?
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: gratitude can lead to that.
0: Exactly. So. We hope that you all are going to go more gently on yourselves as you go throughout your wake after listening to us. And if you like the idea of doing a categorization of your life, let us know. You can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. And we would really appreciate it if you could leave a kind review on iTunes so that more people can find us or just tell a friend if you like the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. As always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light.